Uh, we've been in a series for Christmas called Christmas Wisdom, where um, we've been, well, you know, Christmas is a tough time, especially for adults. Kids don't know how it's, what it's like. Kids think it's all just fun and games, but behind the scenes, it's a crazy time, one of the worst times of the year. Uh, and so, you know, I, I just was tired of that, and so I was like, you know what, we just need to have a simple plan to take care of all the problems that we have at Christmas. And so we've been doing that. So the first week was like, oh, I have a hard time being happy at Christmas. No problem. We went to the Proverbs. We came up with a foolproof, step-by-step, three-step plan to fix all of your happiness problems. The next week, we dealt with a big one, managing the drama. All the craziness that goes on in your family. It's like, gosh, my family's nuts. How do I deal with that? We went to the Proverbs, came up with a step-by-step, three-step plan, foolproof, no ambiguity, no questions anymore. Now all my family drama is gone. Last week, we talked about stuff, presents, gifts, money. Came up with a three-step plan, looking at the Proverbs, no ambiguity, fixed all of our questions, all of our confusion, all of our upsetted stressfulness about money, taken care of. You're welcome. Now, in the next day or two, chances are you will be a part of some kind of gathering. A bunch of people coming together, some friends, some family, maybe both. And you might be wondering, does the Proverbs, you know, is there, do, do they have like a plan for making sure this isn't a disaster? Like, is there a way to, to, to the right way to host gatherings? Is there some teaching there? Yes! And I have compiled it, developing a a foolproof three-step plan to fixing all of your hosting problems. First, I thought I'd uh, make you a little bit jealous. Um, I took a picture of uh, our house, show you our decorations. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) See, that's what a real Christmas decoration looks like. If you're not close to that, well, you should be ashamed of yourself. Um, you know, it only took me two hours. Amazing. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that's not our house at all. That's, uh, that's somebody, not me. Not us. Uh, in fact, sometimes the, like, the inside's amazing because Aaron takes care of that. But the outside, um, every year the kids are like, well, Dad, you did okay. But why do all our neighbors look better than us? I'm like, oh. Part laziness, part lack of creativity. Um, but that's a big deal, though. You know, you're hosting parties. People are stressed out. Uh, you know, you got to make sure that everything's, you know, awesome. Uh, in, in order to do that, I've found, uh, I've been told that the key is to go on Pinterest, which is an app. And Pinterest uh, is on your phone and your computer, and I, I've never used it, but Apparently, it has all of the, the, the stuff that you ought to do for Christmas to make sure that your party is, you know, the hippest and the coolest and the craftiest. Um, so I've compiled a few things that you might want to, uh, these are called Pinterest fails. This is, this is what's going to happen. You're going to see it on Pinterest, and then you're going to try to accomplish it, and <laughs> there's a major difference. Do we have the, uh, the Pinterest fit? Yeah, that's number one. I don't know... I don't know why anyone would want to make an art, like an art string balloon, but I suppose that if I did, it would look like that. You're wondering about Christmas breakfast. This is what it's supposed to be and what it is. 
You can see the colors there. It's like Christmas, red and green. Most importantly, at your party, you've got to have the best darn cake that's ever been made by anyone. (laughs) The Betty Crocker train cake. What, you've never made the Betty Crocker train cake? What kind of Christmas are you having? It all brings up the question, do I have to have a Pinterest perfect party? I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, we're, especially now with social media, it's like, it's a, we're super, like, aware of what other people are up to and how rad their parties are. And there's, like, this pressure to be like, I got up my game. I got to be able to take a picture of it, put it on the internet, make sure people like it. Well, I thought, what, why don't we just find out what the Proverbs say? Do I have to have a per- Pinterest perfect party? Let's take a look at what the Proverbs have to say. Uh, this, is a, this is a great text. An understanding heart seeks knowledge, but fools feed on folly. Now, all the days of the needy are hard, but a happy heart has a continual feast. It's better to have a little with the fear of the Lord than a great treasure with turmoil. Better a meal of greens with love than a plump calf with hate. The key there is like, you know, in the, in the ancient world, like if you're, if you're, you know, having a, a, a gathering or whatever, the kind of the idea of what it's supposed to be like is this, this, the, you get the hog out, well, not, not the hog, not in Israel. The cow out, whatever, and it's on the spit, and it's like spinning over, and everyone's there having it, and it's like, that's awesome, right? But here's the deal, better, better to just, just vegetables and love around the table than to have the big, Whoop-de-doo. This next one's interesting. Um, a wise woman builds her house while a foolish woman tears down uh, her house with her own hands. Uh, it's a little weird for us. And we get the, sometimes people will give you the impression that the Proverbs and really the Bible as a whole is, is pretty sexist. Um, that's, I mean, I can see where people are coming from. It's not as bad as you might think based on what people say. Um, but there is a sense in the Proverbs that where they, they kind of talk about like, you know, the, the good woman and, and, and the bad woman, the, the wise woman and the foolish woman. And in general, uh, and this, the, again, it's, it is sexist in the sense that it's talking about women when really this is kind of the true for, you know, both men and women depending on what you're like. But in general, women tend to be more like this where it's talking about uh, what, what is a good woman versus, you know, a not so good woman, a wise woman versus a foolish woman. And a wise woman tends to be the kind of woman who builds up, who encourages and who, who adds, um, to the house. So, uh, she's often pictured as like coming up with like in, in inventive ways to make money. Um, she's also often talked, she talks about how she encourages and has kind words for people. It'll talk about how, um, she's, she's very, uh, very generous and very, um, kind of like, like warm to people. On the other hand, there's a sense of, uh, like the, the foolish woman. And the foolish woman is usually somebody who's picky, who's naggy, and who's a perfectionist. Okay? And that's kind of the picture that the, the Proverbs give of like a good versus a bad woman. The, the, the good woman is, is generous and open. Uh, the, the, the foolish woman is picky and perfectionist. Everything's got to be just so. And so in Proverbs 14.1, when it says a wise woman builds her house, it's saying she's the kind of person who makes everyone in the house, you know, feel warm and loved and cared for, right? A foolish woman tears hers down with her own hands. Her intentions are good. 
Okay, no one's nagging and being picky and perfectionist because their intentions are bad. No, your intentions are good. You want to have good things for people. You want, think, but the, but the, the, the foolish woman is so like, oh, it's gotta be this way. It's gotta be that way that she starts to tear people down. And of course, this could uh, be a man too. Um, it doesn't have to be a woman, but a guy who's like, it's gotta be just this way. And if it's not, then it's a failure. And here's the deal. The idea is even if you pull off the perf- the Pinterest perfect party, the damage that's done because of that, like, duh, 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 is actually hurts the house and can end up in disaster. And so the Proverbs are pretty clear. Do I need to have a Pinterest perfect party? No. Easy to say, of course hard to execute if you're one of those people who's really into being Pinterest perfect. Not sure what to say other than the Proverbs seem to think if you can focus on the love of the people around and you can focus on being uh, uh, reverent to God, then it's going to be easier to resist those that, that need to have everything just so. All right. Uh, next, next big problem that people have. So the uh, Pinterest perfect party, that's a big problem. Folks are always going crazy, stressed out. Uh, but here's the deal. You don't have to. Just have a nice gathering with people who you love. That's it. Doesn't have to be perfect. The next issue we have is uh, the fool. We, a couple weeks ago, we talked about Cousin Eddie from National Lampoon. Uh, he is the quintessential, the paradigm fool in American cinema. He's the, uh, he's the guy who, who just does everything wrong. And a lot of us, we have these people in our lives. They're either friends or family or both. Um, and we kind of feel obligated to have them around because we're close to them. But at the same time, we know that having them around is going to be a disaster. There's a problem there. And so that brings up the question, do I have to invite the fool? Does, does Cousin Evie, Eddie get an invite to my Christmas party? See what the Proverbs say. Better a dry crust with quiet than a house full of feasting with quarrels. Mm. Yes, that's true. Uh, you, man, no one likes to be in a crazy situation where the party's gone nuts and everyone's mad at each other. I mean, better to just not even do it. This was interesting. Wine is a mocker, beer a carouser. Those it leads astray won't become wise. Uh, the Bible as a, in, as a whole is uh, kind of ambivalent or thinks two ways about alcohol. Like in, in, in general, there's a sense that it's a sign of blessing. It brings happiness. And, but it can also be real dangerous, right? And this proverb talks about what happens with some people when they start having too much. They be, get, get nasty. Maybe you've met someone like this where, you know, too much uh, wine and, and suddenly there's not a kind word to be heard. Too much beer and suddenly it's like rolling up the sleeves and let's have a fight, you know? If that's the kind of person that we're talking about, that person, don't, that is not the kind of person you want to be with. That person's going to, like, wreck your party. In fact, if you combine it with this next one, don't, pre- don't befriend people controlled by anger. Don't associate with hot-tempered people. If you do, you'll become like them. You'll learn their ways. You'll be trapped. You know how this works. Uh, anytime you meet somebody who is uh, angry, who likes a fight, they're, they're not there to just have a fight. They want you to be involved in it. So they're going to try, like, they start to get, you know, a little bit hot, 
especially, you know, there's a few drinks in, right? Everyone's getting a little bit rowdy, and then this person starts going after you, starts really needling you. And, and you're, you start to get hot too, and pretty soon, <laughs> Merry Christmas. Oh, come on. You guys have never been to a party where, like, you know, the family is, like, explodes and, like, people don't talk to each other for seven months? Well, then I guess you're not inviting fools. Good job. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, you know, pretty much unequivocally, the Proverbs are like, hey, uh, do, you, do you have to invite the people who are the fools? No. And maybe this is a little bit uncomfortable for you. Maybe you're the kind of person who's like, oh, I'm sure it'll be good this time. Will it? We've been down this road before. We know how this goes. Okay? Maybe now is the time to put your foot down and be like, you know what? This is not healthy. This is not a good thing. You're, you're not the right sort of person for a gathering that's supposed to be centered on the birth of Jesus Christ. This one's a little tough, too. When, uh, when you think about... So here's a picture of a Christmas party or some kind of party. This is, I just Googled hosting a party. I look at that, and it's like I can feel my blood pressure increasing. Because, like, like, you know, you look at, you see all those, those, those things that are out there, all the food, and you see all the different people, and you're just like, man, this is going to be a real production. Even if it's not Pinterest perfect, it's still pretty, it's a deal. It's not like just, oh, fun and games. Hosting is a big deal. And maybe it's the case, maybe, do we really have to go through with it? Wouldn't it be better if we just kind of like, put an end to this whole deal, like you take care of you, I take care of me, and we don't worry about these big gatherings. And that brings up, do, should I? Should I be hospitable? Maybe not even do I have to do it, should I? I mean, is it really, if, is it worth it? Here I am trying to focus on my Lord and Savior. But I can't because I got to worry about the ham and the deviled eggs and I got to figure out something to say to so-and-so. And, and so it all gets lost. Maybe it would be better just to just forget hospitality altogether and move on. Well, let's see what the Proverbs have to say about Hospitality. This is an interesting uh, text, and I, I kind of want to get to the logic behind it. But basically, at the beginning of this text, um, Solomon is picturing wisdom as uh, as a woman, as a, like a, a a lady, a gentrified lady, like a, a ruling lady. It says she built her house. She's carved out her seven pillars, so it's like it's a uh, sturdy. She slaughtered her animals, mixed her wine, set her table. She sends out her female servants. She issues an invitation from the top of the city heights. Whoever is naive, whoever is simple or foolish, turn aside here, she says. Come to those who, ha- who lack sense. Come, eat my food. Drink the wine I've mixed. Abandon your simplistic ways and live. Walk in the way of understanding. Now, clearly this is metaphorical, right? I mean, this is, it's a metaphor. It's saying, you know, Solomon's kind of picturing wisdom as like this, this cry um, out to say, hey, come here, learn from me, because the way you're doing things is, is awful. But the, the, the metaphor he uses to describe this is hospitality. 
And what he's doing is he's, he's giving like a, the sort of standard Jewish understanding of what the good life is like. When you have stuff, right, what you're supposed to do is set a table and invite people in. You're sp- and notice that it's not just the, the people who are like uppity, high up there and the you know, strong, wealthy. It's, it's like it's the, the weak people. Bring them in. Give them a place to sit and stay and learn and change. I think I have, I, have, I have a couple more here. This is Ecclesiastes. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their hard work. If either should fall, one can pick up the other. But how miserable are those who fall and don't have a companion to help them up? Being alone, bad. Being part of community, good. And not just because it's nice to be around people, but because... Hey, when things bad, when bad things happen, you need to have a safety net, a community, a network of people who are going to care for you. So you're not alone. And the way, of course, that happens is you invite people in. You're hospitable. Those who are gracious to the poor lend to the Lord, and the Lord will fully repay them. Uh, in the ancient world, your gift giving was kind of a way to put someone in your debt, right? So if you wanted to, um, so gift, gifts were constantly being exchanged. You give a gift to somebody, you invite them in, then they have to give you a gift and invite you. And so it's like this endless cycle of people causing other people debt. Except, except in the case of the poor. Those who are gracious to the poor, there's no expectation of return. Poor can't do it. People in poverty can't give back to those who give to them. You welcome in the poor and the weak, well they can't invite you. They don't have a home for you. But the Proverbs say, but when you do that, you're lending to the Lord. You're, it's like you, you've taken out a line, Lord of the gods has taken out a line of credit from you. And he's going to pay you with interest. Do you have to be hospitable? Yeah! The basic understanding of the Bible is that people should be open-handed and welcoming. And sometimes that's stressful. Okay, good. Um, so there you go. That's your uh, three-point uh, solution to all of your gathering problems. Uh, great. Hey, is everyone here done with their Christmas shopping? Anybody not, not finished? Because I haven't started. Um, and so what I was thinking is we just end a little early, and I'll just take off to the mall and, and get Aaron something nice. Cool? So, hey, great. Didn't that seem a little simplistic? I mean, yeah, we should be hospitable. Doesn't that seem like... Well, I confess to you, especially that one about inviting the fool, that really got to me. If you are here and you identify as a Christian, you believe in Jesus and you follow, you want to follow the way that he does things, doesn't Jesus seem to be the kind of guy who's like, hey, I'm welcoming and doesn't it seem to be like totally the opposite to be like, oh, no fools allowed. And even the whole Pinterest perfect thing, like, doesn't it seem like there's a time and a place to really just roll out the red carpet? So I kept reading. And so I was thinking, the Pinterest perfect party, well, it, is it really a no all the time? Uh, check out these texts. They're really interesting. 
uh, the, uh, the require a little bit of explanation, but when you sit down to dine with a ruler, carefully consider what is in front of you. Place a knife at your throat to control your appetite. Don't long for the ruler's delicacies. The food misleads you. <laughs> what? I saw that one. I was like, what is going on? What's interesting, in the ancient world, um, so there, when you see ruler, really that means like someone who's wealthy and influential. Okay, a wealthy, influential person. It could be a king. It could be a prince. It could be a priest. It could be it could be an accountant. It could be anybody who's wealthy and influential, business owner, whatever. Now, people who are wealthy and influential, they often you know host people who are not as wealthy or influential as they are. One of the reasons they do this is because they're looking around. They're trying to see: Are there other people who can handle the kind of responsibility that I have? Are there kinds of people who really should be welcomed into my circle of people of influence, even if they don't have all the stuff that I have? Should I invite them on to the city council or whatever? And so they, and they send out these big invitations. Lots of people come. And what do they do? They roll out the red carpet. Crazy. There's more food than you can possibly eat. There's servants playing music. There's like, there's, there's a Betty Crocker toy train cake right there in the middle. Like, it's like, it's out of control. And, and, and part of it, what they're doing is they're going to see how you respond when you're there. Are you going to be the kind of person who's like, ah, cookie monster? Or are you going to be like, ah, oh, thank you for your hospitality. Let us talk of important things. Well, if you're like stuffing your face, they're going to look at you and be like, eh. But notice what they're called to do. Notice what is assumed about people of wealth and influence. They should be rolling out the red carpet and inviting in people who don't have the same resources that they have. They should be on the lookout for people who can be wise and influential with them. And in order to do that, they need to make, to invite people in. This is, uh, from Proverbs 31 where, uh, there's a, there's a, a ruler named Lemuel, and it looks like it's his father maybe um, is giving him advice. And Lemuel is probably an aristocrat in ancient Israel. And, uh, and the father says this, It's not for kings, Lemuel. It isn't for kings to drink wine, for rulers to crave strong drink. Otherwise, they'll drink and forget the law and violate the rights of the needy. Okay, Lemuel, you have the opportunity, you've got the money, you can get as loaded as you want, and no one can stop you. But that's not a good thing for a wise, you know, ruler, an influential, wealthy person like you. If you do, you might end up hurting the people you're supposed to protect. You might forget your responsibilities to the poor and those who are less than you. It's better for you to, like, you know, just keep it a little bit arm's length. Instead, instead, give strong drink to those who are perishing and wine to those whose hearts are bitter. Let them drink and forget their poverty and no longer remember their toil. Lemuel, you could have all this for yourself. Instead, kick the doors open. Invite the poor and the the impoverished, the dying, the weak. Invite them in and treat them like royalty. Throw them a Pinterest perfect party. And so no... You don't need to throw a Pinterest perfect party. But sometimes, yes. Especially if you're a person of wealth and influence. It is incumbent on you to open that up and to bless those who don't have what you have. I was thinking about Eddie. Cousin Eddie. The fool. This one really bothered me. I mean, I get it. Like, 
yeah, like we're not supposed to hang out with people who are a wreck. I, okay, I get it. But, but surely that's not, is that really the wisdom of God? We just keep people who aren't perfect at arm's length? Well, read, read, read me these Proverbs. Interesting. Walk with wise people and become wise. Befriend fools and get in trouble. Okay, so this is like where, so if wise people stay with wise people, fools stay with fools, except who's this written to? To somebody who's not wise yet, somebody who's still simple, naive, foolish. The the command is, hey, you're the kind of fool who recognizes maybe there's something better. This is how you get better. Find wise people and hang out with them. Okay, so if you're a bunch of wise people and then there's this, this foolish person who's like, yeah, I don't have things figured out. I, I get that. Can I hang out with you? You're like, no. Back off. I refuse to befriend fools. I will get in trouble. No. No, if there's somebody who's, who's on the outside and obviously doesn't have it all together, but they're, they, they recognize that at some level and are looking to change, bring them in. In fact, that's kind of what discipleship is, right? If, look, if you've got it all figured out, like, you don't need to get it figured out, but if you don't, you need somebody who does to help you. This is um, another example of wisdom being pictured as like a, uh, a wealthy uh, heiress or landowner. Doesn't wisdom cry out and understand sh- understanding shout? Atop the heights along the path, the crossroads, she takes her stand. By the gate before the city, at the entrance, entrances, she shouts, I cry out to you people. My voice goes out to all of humanity. Understand skill, you who are naive. Take this to heart, you fools. Listen, for I speak things that are correct from my lips. Come, what is right? She's got it figured out. You don't. She's welcoming you in so that you can get it figured out. The difference, yeah, we don't want to hang out with people who are fools and they're inveterate fools. They're, in, they're unflappable fools. They want to keep being foolish. They delight in their foolishness. That's the people, yeah, no. But there are people who are simple, who haven't figured things out, and they need some help. And you bet you'd better welcome them in. So should you invite the fool? No. But sometimes... The difficult task is knowing which one's which. Having a sense for, for which, which type of person is, is you know, on the verge of changing and making a, making a difference. And, and, and the kind of person who's like, no, you know what, I, I just, I just want to hold on to the way I'm doing things. Hospitality. Ugh. Oh, you have to be hospitable. Really? Aren't there some outs? Please, give me some outs. I looked, and I found a few. <laughs> yeah. So I just want get your outside work done. Make preparations in the field. Then you can build your house. Uh, the ancient world, especially ancient Israel, usually you inherited property. Sometimes you purchased it. Let's imagine that you inherited or purchased a property that has fields and then like this broken down shack, okay? Now, in America, what we do when we buy property is we're like, 
okay, I've already spent 850000 I might as well just drop another one hundred and fifty to make sure the house is the way I want it. I was just going to get an $850,000 mortgage. Why not just go to a cool million, keeps it. And then you fix all your stuff up, and then you move in, and you're a debt slayer the rest of your life. Okay, awesome. That's how we do it. In the ancient world, what the Proverbs suggests is a different way of going about things. So you go there, you buy it, and there's this awful little shack. It's leaky. It's off. Go sleep in it. Sleep in that shack. And instead, go work, spend all of your energy and efforts on making your fields productive so that you have a source of income. And once that source of income is humming and the sheep or whatever are eating and the, the grass is growing and all, once that's taken care of, then turn your attention to your house and build that up. Likewise, if you now are in a situation where you're like, oh, I need to host people. I need to be hospitable and bring them in. And I don't really have the money for it. I don't have the time for it. I don't have the space for it. But I'm going to do it anyway. The Proverbs might say, wait. Let's, let's get into a situation where you're able to do what you desire to do first. And then. So if you're not, if you're not in a financial position to host, if you're not in a position where you have the space to host, it's okay to not do it. If you find honey, eat just the right amount. Otherwise, you'll get full and vomit it up. Winnie the Pooh never vomits it up. He has an endless belly for honey. Have you guys been on that uh, Winnie the Pooh ride at Disneyland? It is the creepiest thing I have ever seen in my life. So we go in there, and there's like black lights, and like heffalumps are like floating around. Like I'm sitting there like getting a little bit nervous. Olivia's starting to cry. I'm like, isn't this like a G-rated ride? What the heck is going on? And seriously, the kid, like Winnie the Pooh is tripping the whole time. Don't spend too much time in your neighbor's house. Otherwise, they'll get fed up with you and hate you. <laughs> cool. Uh, maybe you know somebody like this. Where you're like, oh, we had a great time. And they're like, uh huh. And they keep, you know, in, in making the conversation go longer. You're like, whoo, sure, it's getting late. They're like, but this is too good to stop. And you're like, mm, okay. You're like, uh, well, I guess I could, uh, make a bed for you if you, if you want up in the guest room. Oh, cool. You're going to stay. Great, great, great. A lot of you are the sort of people who are, you're so hospitable, you'd never say no. Right? You just, you just go with it. Person's like, and, and at a certain point, you start to realize this person is like a succubus. And they're like, <laughs> they need you. And they won't let you go. But you're a good person. You're a good Christian. And so you're like, cool, whatever. I'm just going to go with it. But then you notice at a certain point that you're looking at this person that you used to and love inviting over. Now you're like, I really hate this guy. Is that a Christian feeling? No. Here's the deal. If people are taking advantage of you and they're starting to like, uh, you know, suck you dry and they're not giving you any space, dude, shut the door. Keep them out. You do not have to be hospitable to those people. You really don't. And if you do, you're inviting yourself to become an angry, bitter person. Let's not. And if you're one of these people who's always over at somebody else's place, dude, maybe it's time for you to invite somebody else over. I think I have uh, one, one more. Yeah. Don't eat food with stingy people. Don't long for their delicacies because they are like a hare in the throat. Cool. <laughs> they say to you, eat and drink, but they don't mean it. 
You will eat scraps and vomit them out. You will waste your pleasant words. Um, stingy people. I mean, yeah, obviously the Proverbs don't want us to be stingy people. But here's the reality. The reality is a lot of us uh, come from what's called like a mindset of scarcity. Okay, Especially those of us who grew up in uh, financially unstable situations. Um, my wife, for example, is somebody who, for years of her life, never had enough. And she was always worried that she was going to lose everything. Um, as a result, when we were first together, it was really hard for her to be hospitable. Because she was looking at stuff and she was only seeing the dollars just being flushed down the toilet. And she was constantly worried that we weren't going to have enough. Now, that's not a great place to be, but it's a reality. And there are a lot of us here who probably have experienced that to some extent or another. Maybe in the middle of the, the party you're having a great time, but as soon as it's over, you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know how we're going to pay for this. And as a result, what kind of hosting that you do is, well, it's really not accomplishing the goal of hospitality. Because you're trying to be hospitable because you think you ought to, but at the same time you're completely consumed by the possibility that this is going to wreck you and ruin you. Um, I think the Proverbs here are saying, you know what, it's better not to be hospitable right now. It's better instead for you to be focused on getting out of that mindset of scarcity, finding a way to embrace a, mind, a different kind of mindset. I remember for Aaron and I, it was huge when we, um, we did the, the Dave Ramsey thing and we did a budget. And one of the budgets that we did was for entertaining. And suddenly it was like, it was like, oh. Because we, we knew we had the money, we knew that it was safe, we knew that it, there was no confusion about whether or not this was going to bankrupt us. And so we, instead of working from a mindset of scarcity, we were able to work from a mindset of generosity, and it just took the weight right off our shoulders. But if you're in that place of a mindset of scarcity, then no. No, it is not a good thing for you to wreck your life and wreck the lives of the people you're inviting over by trying to be hospitable when you can't. So, should you be hospitable? Yes! But not always. Yeah, I'm bummed about that because I was looking for like an out for me. And I, didn't, I don't think I found one. So I think I have to be hospitable. But not all of us do. And there are times in our lives where we don't have to be. And that's okay. What do we do then? I mean, here, here we're at a point now where I've basically said yes and no to every single one of these questions. It's not me, it's the Proverbs. The Proverbs is saying, yes, you absolutely have to, you know, put on a, a, picture, a Pinterest perfect party, but no, you don't. And then the Proverbs are saying, oh, yeah, you absolutely have to be hospitable, but guess what? No, you don't. And, and, and the Proverbs are saying, hey, you absolutely should never invite the fool except when you should. And now you're at a point where the, we, our perfect plan with no ambiguities, our step-by-step, it's, it's wrecked. And we're left in a place where it's like, well, what do we do then? Well, I think what the Proverbs are suggesting is that we live in a kind of tension. We live in a tension where what the real challenge is, is discerning where we are. Is this a time to be hospitable or is it not? Is this a time to invite the fool or is it not? Is this a time to have a Pinterest perfect blowout or is it not? 
And, and, and the Proverbs, they're the wisdom of God, right? God's wisdom, God's own insight and understanding is that ability to, to look, survey the options and to know this is right for this circumstance for right now. It's not a hard and fast rule that never fluctuates, but, but right now this is it. There's interesting, um, it's interesting, if you think about the first Christmas, there's this really crazy tension um, on the first Christmas between all the various things that we, we've talked about. You know, <laughs> was the first Christmas a Pinterest perfect party? No, absolutely not. It was like, I mean, depending on who you talk to, some people think that um, the Mary and Joseph weren't like a cave, because we're not exactly sure what a, a stable would have looked like uh, in the ancient world, or at least the kind that they were in. But certainly, the you know baby Jesus is in like a, a trough for eating and drinking, so that's not exactly a Pinterest perfect party. And yet, there's a moment in the first Christmas where um, some really wealthy, amazing people from the east, some some rulers, some. Some wealthy and influential individuals come and they pay homage to Jesus and they whip out gold and frankincense and myrrh. They really do roll the red carpet out. They throw an absolute banger of a party for Jesus. Likewise, (laughs) at the first Christmas, interesting, you know, um, who gets invited? Well, the angels appear and they invite the shepherds, right? Uh, the ancient world shepherds were not known for being great intellects. Uh, they were working class fools. But these weren't the kinds of fools who wanted to stay in their foolishness. When the angels appeared, they said, this is the guy we want to be. We want to be fools, sure, but fools for Christ. And so they were invited in. And yet also there was the invitation to those, like we said, the, the wise and the, and the perceptive. They too were brought in. And in terms of having to be hospitable, how interesting is it that the story of Jesus' birth involves a situation where hospitality is impossible for a lot of people. Mary and Joseph are like, Joseph's like, dude, she's about to give birth. And they're like, what what, what am I going to do? I can't kick out people I've already given a room to. But then there's a, a moment where the innkeep is like... But this is an absolute disaster. I can find a way to be hospitable in the midst of these circumstances. And it's not going to be perfect, but I'm going to put you up and take care of you. The fascinating thing about Jesus, his story, his life, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. At every point, Jesus is embodying the wisdom of God. Everything we see about the Proverbs of, like, it's a yes, but not always, and a no, but sometimes. Those, those tensions, those, they, they exist in Jesus' very life. At every point, you can see the wisdom of God in who he is and the circumstances that surround him. But does that really help us trying to make sense of what we ought to do now? Well, think about this. Why did Jesus come? What was the point? Well, Jesus came because God wanted the whole world, everybody, to be his family. He wanted all the people, no matter how far off they were, to have 
intimacy with him, love with him. He, he wanted to see those who were sinners forgiven. He wanted to see those who were damaged healed. He wanted everybody to be gathered, and the only way to do it was to send his son. In an interesting way, this, this whole idea of God coming so that those who were just didn't know him at all would come and be his family, that's kind of the point of hospitality. Jesus is the hospitality of God. God designed hospitality to turn the crowd into a community. You're wondering whether or not you need to invite this fool. Let me ask you this. Will inviting this fool, is it more likely to turn a crowd of people into a community, or is it more likely to turn a community of people into a crowd who hate each other? If it's the latter, no. If it's the former, yes. You're wondering, do I need to have a Pinterest perfect Christmas? Well, with the people you invite to this Pinterest perfect Christmas, is it going to turn a crowd into a community or is it going to turn a community into a crowd? Here's the interesting thing about Pinterest perfect Christmases. If you're like inviting a whole bunch of people who probably have about the same kind of resources, maybe the same class, same, you know, life background as you do, and you throw on this big thing and you show them how much better you are than they are and your Betty Crocker toy train cake is something they could never possibly ever accomplish, are you really making them into a community? Or are you burnishing your badge? Hospitality is meant to turn the crowd into community. So if the Pinterest Perfect Christmas is going to take people who are far off and bring them into community with people usually who have more than they do, then yes, do it. And if it won't, then no. Remember what the point is. God sent Jesus to make the whole world his family people who didn't know him, into his family. Likewise, we use hospitality so that the crowd becomes a community. I'm going to invite Estella to come up and uh, light our last, uh, well, all of our candles. This week, um, we're celebrating love. Um, We did joy. uh, We did peace. We did hope. And now love. The purpose of God in sending his son was to bring love between people and between himself. And if we step back and we get beyond all of the craziness of the season, do I host this? Do I do that? The point that we're really trying to get to is to establish the same love that God showed for us to one another. And if we can do that, then I think we're going to have a really good Christmas. Let's pray. Gracious God, we, um, we confess that you're a God of, of hospitality and love, that you opened yourself to us, that in a strange and, and, and amazing and mysterious way, you came to be with us. And in so doing, you invited the whole world, all of the aliens and strangers, people who had no idea who you were, what you were like, to come and be your family. Lord, make us a people who extend that same hospitality, that same love to our friends, to our family, and to the world around us. Let us not be so caught up in the hustle and the bustle and the Pinterest perfectness 
and all of that, that we, we lose touch, lose contact with what this is meant to be. A celebration of your hospitality and love and an imitation of it with each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.